the Movies Past and Present podcast. It's March 6th, 2020, and this is episode 41. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. In the new movie roundup section, I'd like to talk about a couple of films that have opened up over the last couple of weeks, and then some films that are opening up today. So, in the last couple of weeks category is uh, The Call of the Wild, which opened on February 21st, but still in theaters. This is an action drama from 20th Century Studios. I'll actually be reviewing this film on today's podcast. Uh, It's directed by Chris Sanders, and it's adapted from the beloved literary classic by author Jack London of, of the same title. And it tells the story of Buck the Dog. Buck's a big-hearted dog whose blissful domestic life is turned upside down when he is suddenly uprooted from his California home and transplanted to the exotic wilds of the Yukon during the gold rush of the 1890s. So uh, it's a classic, you know, adventure film, uh, but really told with some modern tools. It, it It's, uh, uh, I'm calling it a hybrid film, but it's got, of course, all the live actors in it uh and lots of of computer generated probably lots a lot of backgrounds were done as well as all of the animals in the film were computer generated so it's interesting uh interesting use of visual effects and and animation technology and i'll be talking about that more in my review coming up the call of the wild is rated pg by the motion picture association for some violence peril thematic elements and mild language uh, last week, uh, another horror film opened up. This time, it's a it's it's a another retelling of the story of the Invisible Man. Actually, I think it's it's its own take on the Invisible Man. Probably the main thing that it has in common with with uh, other versions of this film is that, of course, there is a, a man who that's invisible who's in the movie. Uh, this one is. Uh, produced by our current day master of the horror genre, none other than Jason Bloom and his Bloom House Productions. It's written and directed and executive produced by Lee Wanell, and I'm hope I'm pronouncing Lee's name correctly, uh, who was one of the original conceivers of the Saw franchise, blah, and who recently directed Upgrade and Insidious Chapter Three. All movies which I will never see in this life or the next. But the uh, Invisible Man uh, stars Elizabeth Moss, who's, you know, a really great actress. Uh, uh, Elizabeth plays a character named Cecilia. And Cecilia is trapped in a violent and controlling relationship with a wealthy and brilliant scientist. Um uh, with the help of, of uh, Cecilia's sister and uh, one of her childhood friends, she escapes from uh, the clutches of this horrible man. And um, however, so I guess, you know, this boyfriend becomes her ex-boyfriend. 
but when this ex-boyfriend uh, commits suicide, he leaves her a generous portion of his vast fortune. Uh, Celia, Cecilia suspects, however, that his death was a hoax and is a series of eerie coincidences turn lethal, threatening the lives of those she loves. Um, Cecilia's sanity begins to unravel as she desperately tries to prove that she is being hunted by someone nobody can see, a.k.a. the Invisible Man. If you've seen the trailers for this, you know that they're really, I mean, they're going for uh, pretty much a straight horror uh, type of film. The uh, The original film that came out in 1933 um, called The Invisible Man, it starred Claude Rains. And I think, you know, they, they were gone for some scares, but also it's kind of a special effects extravaganza. In this film, though, it sounds like they were really from from what I've read and what I've been told that the cinematography really plays an important role. They didn't spend a lot of money on this movie. It wasn't a, you know, they, they, they made it in a pretty frugal fashion, but they used a lot of interesting camera techniques is what really makes it, you know, kind of sets the mood and makes it, makes, makes it really scary. So anyway, this remake of the invisible man is rated R by the Motion Picture Association for some strong, bloody violence and language. Okay, now opening this week in theaters, we've got three really interesting films, all 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 different and unique in their own way. First up is Onward, which is an animated adventure comedy from Pixar Animation Studios. I'll be reviewing this film on the podcast today. But just as a quick overview, this is a... Uh, a film directed by Pixar veteran Dan Scanlon. Dan uh, directed Monsters University for Pixar. And this film is set in a suburban fantasy world. And it's about two teenage elf brothers uh, who are voiced by Chris Pratt and Tom Holland who embark on an extraordinary quest to discover if there is still a little magic left out there. Uh, I'm excited to talk with you about it in, in the review, but needless to say, it's just got a lot of the very trademark type stuff from Pixar that we come to expect from Pixar Animation Studios. Really gorgeous, cutting edge animation, unique storytelling, and 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 uh, some authentic uh, emotion. Onward is rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for action and peril and some mild thematic elements. Next up is Emma. Now, Emma's opened up a, a, a couple weeks ago on in L.A. and New York, and now it's in wide release this weekend. This is from Focus Features and is based on the novel by Jane Austen, you know, a very beloved novel, and uh, there have been a lot of versions of this of this story that have been turned into movies and whatnot. Uh, I think a, a memorable one, more kind of in my generation, is is uh, uh, the, it starred Gwyneth Paltrow, and it was made in 1996. Also, the year before 1995, the movie Clueless uh, is really you know it's 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 a loosely based retelling of Emma, set in a modern setting, but you know it's 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 Emma. So uh, for this version. It's directed by Autumn DeWilde, and uh, this comedy 
it's you know it's it's a it's a beloved comedy about finding uh your equal and earning your happy ending and uh from from what it looks like in the trailers it's been a bit reimagined although still set in the same time period but uh you know, it, it looks like it looks like it's going to be kind of artsy and interesting. Uh, the press materials say in this glittering satire of social class and the pain of growing up, Emma must adventure through misguided matches and romantic missteps to find the love that has been there all along. It stars uh, Anya Taylor Joy, Johnny Flynn, Bill Nye, Rupert Graves, uh, and and a whole bunch of other. Uh, probably mostly Brits that <laughs> are in this film. Uh, you know, it looks promising, and 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 uh, I look forward to seeing it. It's rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for brief partial nudity. And then finally, opening this week is is a drama from Warner Brothers called The Way Back. This is a redemption story. It stars Ben Affleck of uh, of all people, and it's. And it's a bit interesting because uh, I think in a way it's kind of a way back for Ben Affleck too, who's uh, been having a very public battle with with uh, with some addiction and some stuff. Uh, but as, as a summary, this film is about a guy named Jack Cunningham, who when he was in high school, he had everything going for him. He was a basketball f- uh, phenom. He, and he could have punched his ticket to college or even the pros, but instead he chose to walk away from the game uh, and, and, and giving up or forfeiting his future. Um, Jack's glory days are long gone, but as it turns out, they're not forgotten. He uh, Years later, he gets the chance to take back his life when he is asked to coach the struggling basketball team at his alma mater. Jack reluctantly accepts, surprising no one more than himself, and as the boys start to come together as a team and win, Jack may get his last shot at redemption. Uh, the Way Back also stars Al Madrigal, Michaela Watkins, um, Brandon Wilson, some other actors that I don't know. <laughs> uh, and it's rated R by the Motion Picture Association for language throughout, including some sexual references. So, uh, you know, lots of interesting movies to... to, to uh, to possibly check out this weekend uh, and and a wide variety of genres. Uh, the Call of the Wild, The Invisible Man, and then, of course, Onward, Emma, and The Way Back. So for reviews, as I mentioned, I'll be uh, reviewing two films on the podcast today. First up is The Call of the Wild, the uh, that action drama just uh, talked about that I just talked about in the new movie Roundup. So as I mentioned, this film was directed by Chris Sanders. Now Chris Sanders has got a, a quite an interesting career. That's the uh, he he started off as an animator and worked for Walt Disney Studios. In fact, he's the director of the film Lilo and Stitch, and he's responsible for that very distinctive look of, the, of that film and, and of the characters 
in, in that film. And then uh, he was he was developing a film at Disney called American Dog. And this film morphed into what into the movie that we know now as Bolt. Uh, however, Chris Sanders uh, left Disney during the making of the film and and uh, he went to DreamWorks Animation. And at DreamWorks, he directed the first How to Train Your Dragon movie and he also directed the uh, family comedy The Crudes, that caveman comedy. So uh, I believe The Crudes came out in 2013. So... I don't know how long, you know, what else he's what else he's been doing, but finally here in 2020, he's he's directed this really interesting hybrid retelling of the Call of the Wild. Now, the Call of the Wild, as I previously mentioned, is really the story of a dog named Buck, and Buck is a just a big dog, and I, you know, and I've. I read The Call of the Wild as a kid, and so it's been a while. So I really don't know how, I can't speak to how faithful this adaptation, uh, you know, is or or was. But uh, it sure seemed like it, it seemed pretty, you know, faithful as far as just, you know, the overall feel about it. When I looked at the, saw the trailers, I had really wondered just initially, like, wow, those dogs sure look like they're CGI. And they are so. Every animal in this film is is uh, uh, is is created with with you know with computers. So no no animals were harmed during the making of the film because no animals were used in the making of this film, at least that I could tell. And I thought initially it was probably going to be something that I was not going to like, but believe it or not, it was it, it was well done enough. And really used for great for good storytelling, that that I thought that the CGI animals were okay. They weren't they 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 weren't they weren't actually as horrible as I as I was kind of anticipating them uh, anticipating them to be. So Harrison Ford uh, stars in this film, and he he is he's the narrator of the story. And he also plays the role of, of a guy named John Thornton, who we meet earlier, early on in the film, and then he he plays, of course, a very significant role later later in the film. And I'll keep this this spoiler free in case you want to see it or and or read the book too. But uh, Buck the dog is uh, he. This movie takes place in the late eighteen hundreds. It opens up in California. And Buck is a dog of a very wealthy uh, homeowner uh, who's played by Bradley Whitford, who kind of who just is only in the movie for a couple minutes, but he's there as Buck's original owner. And and Buck's a mess. Buck Buck's a beloved dog, but they but he's just a destruction machine. Part of it's the size, and just also he's but he's. Bucks a dog with a, just a really big spirit. So, uh, some nefarious dude sees Buck and and wants to and basically kidnaps Buck for lack of a, dog naps, dog naps Buck, and 
Uh, although Buck's been really naughty, and and I and I don't think that Bradley Whitford is going to be missing Buck because Buck's Buck's been a Buck's been a really bad dog and done a lot of destruction at this house. But Buck gets shipped off uh, up north, up into the up into the Yukon, and it, and uh, becomes a male sled dog, where uh, you know he's part of a pack and 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 delivering mail to to uh, icy regions icy regions in the Yukon uh, but he there he meets uh he encounters Harrison Ford again or or you know this this, this character of John John uh Thornton and Harrison Ford as his character you know John is is suffering in his own way he's had some real hardship in his life and so he's Kind of just gone up north to almost to just to hide or to just go up there and maybe even drink himself to death. But uh, John saves Buck and Buck saves John and they have, they go off and have a big uh, a big adventure and really you know it's 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 the, the call of the wild or this uh, or or Buck the dogs of. Uh, uh, finding finding himself and and uh finding a finding his place in the world the uh the photo the photorealistic cgi that they used they put enough you know one th- good i think a good thing about this film is that the dogs don't talk and that's a direction i think they could have easily gone uh like you know just the dogs amongst themselves they they, they would talk but they don't. But they really worked on making their faces and their eyes quite expressive, and it steps up the. I mean, it's it's a fine line, and I you know I think that the filmmakers did it okay. They uh, they gave the animals enough emotion in their faces that you could, you know, they they, they could communicate. Rather than just like a blank stare, uh, or or something that was a little less subtle, um, and I, I mean I hate to compare it, but it kind of I kind of just kept thinking about the, um, Disney's The Lion King CGI remake that they did last year, and I hated that film, but and part of the reason too was that. Um, they were going for so much photorealism <laughs> that there was like almost no emotion. They still though could rely on 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 actors for voicing, you know, voicing these characters. Whereas this Call of the Wild didn't have any any of the uh, you know, the adv- kind of the narrative advantage of having a voice uh, with with these all all these dog characters. But uh, again, I thought that, I thought the animation was okay. And and some of the some of the motions and some of the things they did were a little cartoony, but but overall uh, they did it. the one thing too that I thought actually was quite nice about it was with with these photorealistic CGI animals they still tried to make the natural world really beautiful, and that was also something I beautiful yet really stylistic and. For example, there's there's some scenes that are take place at night, 
in, in in this film and they've got the northern lights going on which of course i just love love that I just that was beautiful but that also really they used it to their their advantage as far as uh creating the scene and setting up some some the again the proper emotional resonance whereas i thought with the lion king remake that disney did there's none of that i mean it Clearly, it looked like you were there, in, you know, in Africa. Very realistic looking, but they didn't even kind of ramp up some some of that stuff in nature or exaggerate it a little bit to to uh, set the mood or, or bring out some really cool artistry. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't hate this film. I thought it was that it was a pretty solid family film, maybe a little slow in parts. Uh, but you know, Harrison Ford is great. And, and, uh, you really, it's, you know, you're, you're rooting for you're rooting for Buck, the CGI dog <laughs> to stay alive and be happy. Uh, the cast also includes Dan Stevens and Karen, uh, Jillian shows up they're they're not in a lot they kind of play a pivotal role but um it's weird they just, just hardly in it at all uh omar Sy, um colin woodall so you know it, it, interesting cast even though, though the main person who's in it is is, is harrison ford um but i you know i i good 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 family film and pretty cool use of of uh of of, of cgi uh, to help really really use as an interesting storytelling device uh i give this film three out of five stars and i uh, think you know it could definitely be worth your while if if you're interested one one final thing i i i saw a review of this of this movie and it was done by a, a critic who is a big animal lover. And he didn't really love this movie because, because again, no animals were used. It, they were all, they were all computer generated. So, uh, it would have been a very different film had live animals been, been used, but, but, uh, interesting film nonetheless. So, uh, anyway, check out call of the wild. If, if, uh, if you're so inclined for that for that sort of thing, next up in reviews is is the Pixar film Onward. Uh, Onward is really a weird <laughs> and wonderful film. Pixar, you know, really I think excels at making these high concept films that are pretty pretty heady. And, and almost to the level of bizarre, <laughs> yet they work and, and they're entertaining and, f and fun to watch. And, you know, they, they use animation, which is really cool because they're telling these stories that again, are really great in this different kind of, uh, medium rather than just, uh, you know, either a live action or, or a live action CGI, uh, hybrid. So, in case you haven't seen the trailers for this, uh, this movie is set in a in a in a what they call a suburban fantasy world. 
So this is a world where there are, uh, you know, elves, which the, the, you know, these main characters are elves. Uh, there are like mermaids and unicorns and centaurs and all, you know, all these different things. And the, and the architecture is very fanciful, but it was a world where there was magic, literally, you know, magic. There were these magicians that had these, you know, wooden staffs and these crystals and, and they'd, they learned they could, they could do magic with, with, with these things, but uh, and I'm gonna I'll give it to keep the spoiler free, but I think you know this is this is stuff that's pretty much introduced in the in the trailers. But this magic uh, kind of gives way to technology and and ease. So so you know they show like something like the the magicians are doing these spells to create light, but then one of these one of these people in this world invents electricity. And so that's like a game changer because it's just so easy rather than having to learn the magic and, and whatnot, uh, you know, technology takes over and, and, and it's a world very much like the world, you know, we live in, uh, where there are cities and cars and, you know, indoor plumbing and just, and suburbia. And, uh, so this, this movie really is about, the two brothers and uh there's an older brother that's that's uh voiced by chris pratt and then this this uh younger brother who's voiced by tom holland and they uh th th they're kind of polar opposite um the chris pratt character his uh, you know, he's the older one and he's probably, my guess is he's like kind of 18 or 19. Maybe they say the ages of the, of, of them in the film, of him in the film. I don't remember. And then the, uh, the younger brother. So, and his name is Ian. No, I'm sorry. Chris Pratt's, the older brother's name is Barley. Tom Holland, who's the younger brother. His name is Ian. And, uh, Ian the film opens, it's, it's his 16th birthday. And so, uh, they have, um, a mom who is voiced by the great Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, and their dad, uh, sadly died when, when, uh, little Ian was, was in the, was in the womb, the womb. So Ian, Ian never met his dad and Barley, has some vague memories about his dad, but he was, you know, so young, uh, when he died. And so, uh, it turns out though, that on when both boys were older than 16, so it needed, you know, Ian needed to turn 16 in order to get this gift. The mom gets this gift that the dad had asked, you know, his, his wife to, to give the boys. And it turns out that it's one of these, magic staffs and a crystal with a spell. And the spell is that the dad will be able to come back to life for, 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 uh, technically for 24 hours. Uh, well, if I'm saying this right, I think it's from sundown to sundown. 
it might be from sunup to sundown, but I think, you know, clearly sundown though is, is, is when, is when the dad goes away. So they start the spells you've probably seen in the trailer. Uh, actually it's Barley who's trying to say the spell and it doesn't work. But Ian says a spell and he's able to get this, the, you know, the magic staff response to him and he's able to get this started. So the dad starts appearing from the ground up. So his shoes first appear and then his legs and he's, you know, wearing pants, but it ends up stopping the, you know, this crystal breaks and the spell stops halfway. So the dad only, <laughs> the only thing that's, that's uh, showing up are the dad's legs. And so, uh, a big important plot device, I guess you call it, is that Barley, you know, the Chris Pratt brother, he is like a big fan of it. To me, it looks, it's like, it's, it's a representation of Dungeons, the game, the role-playing game of Dungeons and Dragons. And, and so... Which, again, is 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 not only a game, but the, but the way that the game was created, there's some truth in it, as we find out, of how this world, this world that they live in, used to be before, you know, technology and gentrification and all this stuff, kind of just turned everybody off onto the magic and just and just onto living living just kind of a normal, quiet life. So they, uh, Chris Pratt's character, you know, Barley thinks he knows based on, on this information from the game, what he needs to do to go get them a, another crystal and, and, uh, and, uh, to help finish the magical re-rendering or, you know, of, of the dad's body, uh, and so that they can actually see and interact with their dad before uh, the spell ends when it's at, at sundown. So there's, you know, it, there's, it's, it's really, it's basically at its core a buddy movie, even though it's just, you know, it's the two brothers. Uh, Barley has this ridiculous but fantastic van that he's painted a big unicorn on it and, I mean, it's, it's, it's quintessential, you know, kind of this airbrushed fantasy kind of, kind of look, but the van is just a total piece of crap, but still funny and relatable. And we've all, I think, you know, probably been in vans inside these or own them. (laughs) Remind me of, of, I mean, my parents didn't have a, you know, a unicorn painted on their van, but just, just the way of it just reminded me a lot of, of, uh, you know, that type of a, a vehicle. But, uh, this is a really, again, I'm saying it's kind of a, a weird film and it takes a while to get it going. At least it took a while for me, but once it clicks in, particularly during its third act, you know, it's, it's just Pixar at its best. Uh, some of the story points, even though, you know, it moves the story along, I think 
it's kind of it was a bit slow for me to be honest with you but as i mentioned once once it gets into to uh the 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 final third of the movie it 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 really had me and of course given the nature that you know these guys are trying to bring back their dad that they didn't know it's emotional and and uh they play a lot of it for laughs it kind of reminds me of like a almost like a weekend in bernie's you know, where they've got, they're dealing with this dead body. The dad can walk, he can walk, but he can't talk. And he communicates a little bit with, with his feet, but he's mostly just kind of there. And, um, they just really have to watch him. They've put on like a dog leash. (laughs) And, uh, sometimes they carry him. I think my favorite is when, when, uh, like Barley would put put the dad dad's legs up on his shoulders like he's you know uh, <laughs> carrying a little kid, but uh, of course the the animation's great. Pixar always is, is is stellar with it. The voice talent is is really good. As I mentioned, you know Chris Chris Pratt and and uh, uh, Julie Dreyfus are 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 so good. Um, Tom, Tom Holland kind of steals the show. I think in it actually, he's very good, but Octavia Spencer has a role and, uh, they've got, you know, an interesting cast. And of course, John Ratzenberger also shows up because what would a Pixar movie be (laughs) without him? Uh, and lots of laughs and, 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 you know, some tears too but they're 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 good tears and and uh, i think i think uh if if you like if you like pixar i think you're gonna i think you're gonna enjoy uh you're gonna enjoy onward i can't say that it's necessarily pixar's best film it's certainly not the worst and and uh it's just it's very entertaining very um very heartwarming and 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 again a really really good story about about two brothers for classic cinema corner i just want to give a quick shout out to the uh, Turner Classic Movies Classic Film Festival that's happening April 16th through 19th uh, in Hollywood. Uh, I've got my pass to go, and I'm really excited about it uh, and grateful to get to go again this this year. The theme is Grand Illusions, Fantastic Worlds on Film. And they just do a wonderful job with this film festival. Uh, they work directly with the Hollywood Studios, um, the world's most notable film archives and private collectors, and they just bring some of the most revered movies of all time, many with new restorations, um, as well as some long-lost gems, uh, and show them on the big screen. And it's just it's just terrific. Now, they, they announced this week that they are still planning to move ahead with the festival, even with the, with the coronavirus uh, challenges that are going on. And we'll see again, maybe closer to it. They're going to, they're going to change their mind, but 
they they say they're still going to hold the festival. So, uh, yay, hooray, and let's keep it. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Today, they uh, excuse me. This week, they announced some interesting uh, additions to 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 the lineup. Uh, Julie Andrews is going to be there, and uh, she's she's been at the festival before, but she's going to uh, introduce a screening of her musical comedy Victor Victoria. And Mel Brooks is going to be there again this year, which is awesome. He's been there uh, in the past. And I, I saw him introduce his film High Anxiety, which just just being in the same room with Mel Brooks was just amazing because that guy has got so much so much energy and he's just so funny. Uh, he's going to be introducing uh, his sci-fi spoof Spaceballs. Uh, Russ Tamblin is going to be there. Uh, and he's going to be in attendance for a screening of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Actress Margaret O'Brien will be attending for a screening of uh, her film, The Secret Garden, from 1949. I mean, holy smokes. Uh, Disney animator Floyd Norman's going to be there. He's going to be introducing The Jungle Book, and as well as The Sword and the Stone. Um, sadly, and I'm a little bummed about this, they announced to this week that they were going to screen the 1973 animated film Robin Hood um, that you know that Disney did but they're no longer that's no longer going to be pre- uh, presented as previously announced I don't know why but it's a bummer they're going to show a lot of, of cool pre-code films too and they just have such an interesting variety and uh, always with interesting guests and hosts hosts to present and uh it's really, it's really a fantastic event. So if supposedly they still have some tickets available, I will put a link. They say, but supplies are limited. Um, I'll put a link to their, to the website in my podcast notes. So you can check out the price, uh, the prices and the levels of the, of these passes and, and as well as, as the availability. And then also you can learn more about the announced special guests and films and presentations too. I'll, I'll have, uh, the link to the website on my podcast notes. So, uh, yay hooray for the TCM Classic Film Festival, and I'll be keeping you updated more on on uh, what's going uh, on on uh, with with plans for it and 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 how and how it turns out. that's it for this episode of the movies past and present podcast again links and more information about all of the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com as always i hope you will enjoy some good movies this week whether they be from the past or the present until next time thanks for listening and see you at the movies Bye.